Blog Talk Radio. everything you want it to be? Are you living a fulfilled, passionate life empowered with choices that ignite you to the next level? Good love makes your whole life better. So join America's good love doctor, Dr. Brenda Wade, on a journey to your healthiest life yet. A regular on Dr. Oz and Dr. Drew, she's appeared on Oprah, Good Morning America, and is featured in countless publications from USA Today to Essence Magazine. The creator of life-changing Get Unstuck Now, Love, Money, and Save a Seminars, she's counseled millions, but today she's here just for you with the hottest topics, guests, and trends. This is Good Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. Hi there, everyone. It is a pleasure to be with you as always right here on our Good Love radio program And wow, have we got a great show for you tonight. The word for today is satisfaction. Just think Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones, only instead of I can't get no satisfaction. Tonight we're going to talk about how you can get some satisfaction, I mean. All right, and it is always a pleasure to explore how to find fulfillment and sustain intimacy And I mean intimacy that's physical, emotional, mental, even spiritual through every single phase of your relationship. And we want to talk with Patrick and Angela Howell, who are the founders of a new series called A Life Worth Having. Mm, Let's talk about a life worth having. They heal individuals and couples with very concrete advice that's taken from their own up and down, down and out, and ultimately uplifting marriage. And if you're looking to reignite that fire, then hang in there and stay tuned for Hot Topics tonight with Dr. Wendy James. She's going to reveal can't miss tips for sexual satisfaction. I told you we're going to show you how to get some satisfaction. All right, she's got a brand new book called The Princess Chronicles, A Bedside Companion. Mm, Looking forward to that this week and every week. Please understand this. The key to good love is knowing that you truly deserve good love. And you know we have a mantra for our program. Our mantra is, and I want you to say it with me, I am worthy. Yes, I am worthy. And I am deserving. Mm, Say that to yourself or out loud if you want. I am deserving. And I love me unconditionally. Go ahead and say it. I love me 
unconditionally. So I am worthy. I am deserving. I love me unconditionally. That's our mantra. I want you to say it over and over and over because you are laying the groundwork to bring a consciousness that you're receptive to love. And at the end of the day, that is necessary. So we're going to focus on, as always, why good love is essential to your greatness. How to identify negative love patterns that are blocking you from good love. And, of course, how you can break the chains of what happened then so you're free to experience and create what is happening now. You can join the conversation with our special guest tonight by calling, write this down, 347-989-0776. That's 347-989-0776. And then push 1 on your handset. And our moderator, Cliff, will be able to bring you into our live discussion for your questions or comments, or you can also Message us on Facebook and Twitter at Dr. Brenda Wade. All right, let me tell you now about our guest, Patrick and Angela Howell. It was because of the tragic end of his 13-year law enforcement career that our first guest was pushed into the corporate sales and management arena. And in spite of having tremendous financial success, Patrick Howell says the absence of joy and purpose ultimately sent him and his marriage spiraling out of control. Now his wife Angela is going to tell us the other side of the story, their personal journal and excuse me, personal journey is going to tell you a lot about truth strength, adversity, and communicating with your partner on a soul level. Angela says their fairy tale romance fell apart when they divorced, only, believe it or not, to find love in each other's arms again. Wow, I can't wait to hear from them. Let's welcome authors, speakers, and a wonderful, innovative couple with a great coaching program called A Life Worth Having. And by the way, let me give you that website right now. You can write it down. You're going to want to get back to them. www.alifeworthhaving.com Please welcome everybody, Angela and Patrick Howell, to Good Love. Hello, Angela and Patrick. Hi, Brenda. How are you tonight? Wonderful, wonderful. Hey, Patrick. Hello, Brenda. How are you? Doing really well. So excited to have you here. And what a story you have. There are not many couples who get to the point of divorce and find their way back. Tell us a bit about your story. Start at the beginning. How did you guys meet each other? (laughs) That's always a fun story to tell, Brenda. But first of all, we want to thank you so much for inviting you to join us. Inviting us to join you and your listeners tonight. We were so honored to get your request and and uh, just honored to be with you tonight. I love telling the story of how we met. First of all, it was love at first sight for me. I was 13 years old, and he was 16 leading worship in church. Oh, an older man. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, me and every other girl had a crush on him, so that was not <laughs> our time to come together. <laughs> that 16-year-old uh, hottie, huh? Oh, yes. 
playing his guitar and singing, Melting All the Hearts. But 10 years later, as adults, we ran into each other. And at the time, Patrick had become a special agent working undercover drug enforcement. So apparently in his free time, he and his buddies liked to create undercover personas uh, when they met women. So I didn't really meet Patrick that night, and that's too long of a story to tell. Oh, but, but it I, sounds I, like a really interesting one. <laughs> uh, yes. So you met his undercover persona. Is that what you're telling us? <laughs> exactly. Yes, it was. Um, everything was made up. And I'm glad that he is much better on the job than he was with me because I smelled a rat. Um, so. <laughs> but a year later, we ran into each other again, and I met the real Patrick. We went out on a date the next night, and, and that was it. We just fell fast in love. We were engaged six months later and married the following spring. Mm. Oh, what a sweet romance. Sweet romance. It was was really great. Now, I will tell you, we we knew, we both came from very uh, dysfunctional, you know, homes, multiple divorces, and we knew that we carried individual stuff into the relationship. In fact, we started premarital counseling hoping that we could iron out some of those difficulties, and unfortunately, the counseling never stopped. We, we ended up staying in counseling for the better part of our whole first marriage, which was about oh, seven years. Oh, I have to say it. That just makes me have smoke come out of my ears when couples go to that kind of trouble to get counseling, and then they get a bad result. And I'm sorry, I blame the counselor. Because if you're working that hard, you should be getting a better result, and you guys know that. Now back up for a minute with me. Patrick, what happened for you in the early part of the romance? I hear what was happening for Angela. What did you think when you met her? Well, I thought Angela was the most beautiful girl that I had ever met, Brenda. She was she was awesome, and everything was great for us in the beginning. You know, our individual dysfunction seemed to work together in the beginning. Angela was she was more responsible in areas like money and planning, and and I was just the fearless, strong, fun-loving guy, and and so it all worked, you know, for a while. Mm-hmm. I remember someone. I remember someone telling Angela and I that the things that you are originally attracted to in a person often become the things that you you grow to dislike or even despise, and and those words were very true for us. In yes, I've definitely years. seen that. What attracted yeah. you can make you crazy later. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I think I think the big thing. Other than that, you know, for me in the in the first marriage was simply the fact that I refused to believe that I had any personal flaws or baggage from growing up. You know, both my parents, Brenda, were married five times before I turned 18. Mm. So, a lot of divorce, you know, and I was under the, you know, the impression that, you know, I had escaped any, any emotional trauma or any, any baggage and and I just wouldn't own up to that. So, you know, and I think... I really blame you, Patrick, because if you don't mind me interjecting, most people take on the baggage when we're so young. We don't know it's there. It's buried in that part of the brain. 
prior to the age of eight, and we call that the subconscious mind. You didn't know. Absolutely. Wow, five divorces. That is a lot for a young child to go through. Whew. I think the thing that, that finally severed any commitment or loyalty that I had left for Angela was you know, uh, a deep cover investigation that I worked for a year as the owner and operator of a strip club. So I'm married, and I'm, I've got my own apartment, and I'm, I'm owning and operating a strip club on a daily basis. So that was very tough in the, in the latter part of that first marriage, as you can probably imagine. I can only imagine, Patrick, right. and so can yeah. all of our listeners. Holy cow. Angela, what was that like for you? Did you know that's what he was doing? I did. It was very, very tough. Uh, as I said, when we met and started dating, he was already an undercover uh, agent. So that took some getting used to, to know that he was going to go off the radar at times and I would not be able to reach him. I knew that something big was going to go down, and I just had to trust that it was going to be okay. Um, So by the time that case came around, our marriage had really declined to a point where we we really were at best roommates. Uh, He had the perfect out. He was gone all the time, especially at night. And, you know, so we just kind of coexisted. It, It killed me, though, to know that my husband was spending all his time around naked strippers. I mean, that's really hard when by then in our marriage there was so much dislike and, and uh, discontentment and resentment that we really weren't, uh, you know, he didn't really want a whole lot to do with me at that point. So it made it doubly hard to know that he was surrounded by beautiful women in a strip club and he had the perfect alibi. He had his own apartment. I never knew when I was going to see him. Wow. It was tough. It was really tough. So I don't know if I'm out of line to ask the question that's in the air here, Patrick, but were you doing more than just working your job there at the strip club? You know what, Brenda? The Probably the most phenomenal thing that I can say is that I never slept with any anybody during the whole investigation, and I, I did a lot of other things. It was at that point that I made the the life-altering choice to start using cocaine. Mm, that'll alter that your life. Yeah, and uh, but other than that, uh, you know, there, there was nothing else going on with the girls. I, I think to this day, a lot of people have a hard time believing that, but that that's what happened. And he was on a wire all the time. I think he would he would own up to say that if he hadn't been on the wire, he might not be able to say that today. Mm. Very, very true. Mm. Wow. Talk about the ultimate test of a marriage. And, you know, I can really hear, even as you're telling the story, this is like, I mean, you guys couldn't make this up. Can I get the rights to the movie? <laughs> um, we're about to sign those away, but we'll think in a second. <laughs> uh, it is true. It's like this stuff, You, I couldn't have written all of this. Yeah. Um, I mean, it does get a little bit crazier. He had some significant depression that started probably around year four of our first seven years together. Now, is this when he was undercover, or what was going on around year four? 
Yes, he was still undercover. He was also pursuing um, music, and that's you know kind of another career with that. Um, th- so those were two his two loves. But the only thing that seemed to give him relief was to go get an adrenaline kick and go bust some doors down and arrest people. Other than that, he was very uh, low. Just a very, it was a very severe clinical depression. Mm. Wow. So that was another component in our marriage that there, he really did not have anything to give to me, you know, in, in any way. It was just, it was really tough. And I'm not to say that, you know, we, I definitely have my share of issues. You know, I, I grew up in a very insecure way, and so I responded by becoming a very controlling person. And that was definitely not helpful in our situation. So for you, were your parents also unstable and going through divorces? Or what was happening for you at home? When, oh gosh, it's crazy. When I was five, my parents sold everything we owned and we joined a traveling ministry. We lived in buses and um, campers and and, uh, just traveled around pitching tents and and, uh, ministering to people and that was pretty fun but at three years into that I guess my parents were really struggling and they separated and ultimately divorced there was chaos um, I won't go into all that but it really broke my heart to be torn away basically from my dad and live with only my mom and they to this day don't really get along at all so there was just a whole lot of um, insecurity at that tender age of eight Oh, yes. Remember what I said about the brain, right? At the age of eight, there you were Mm -hmm. at that critical stage when, whether we like it or not, little children make up stuff. Your brain's not finished and you're making up stuff. Well, this must mean something's wrong with me. Nobody will ever be there for me and I can't trust men. I can only imagine what you made up. Exactly, exactly. And the, one of the ways that I coped, uh, it's on the, the website, you may have seen it, was I developed an eating disorder. And it was a silent way for me to feel some sense of control when I couldn't control anything else. I had the illusion of being able to control, you know, what was going on with my body and, and that sort of thing. And so um, I brought all that to the marriage, just, you know, an eating disorder. And by then, by the time I met him, I was in recovery, so he didn't get to experience all of that. But so my parents, my dad has has remarried several times. My mother never did, but there was, you know, definitely dating and sometimes being shipped back and forth between parents and going to so many different schools. So I came with my own bag of tricks for sure to the relationship. Your bag of tricks. I love the way you said that. Your honesty (laughs) is so touching. Your own bag of tricks. I'm going to remember that one. So (laughs) both of you have really, really searched your own souls. You've looked at your own histories. You said, hey, look what happened in my childhood, and you can both draw the line. A lot of people can't do that. Draw the line between what happened back then to what's happening now. So now we fast forward to here you are, you two beautiful souls breaking apart, but both of you, both of you fell into addiction, eating disorders, its own addiction, obviously cocaine use is an addiction, and beneath both of them, 
both of them, usually behind the eating disorders, you know, is depression. And you've already said, Patrick, you were dealing with depression as well. So right. bring, us, bring us forward now. What happened from there? Well, after, after that initial divorce, Brenda, we were actually apart five years, and we both remarried. Other people. Other people. Oh, my goodness. And uh, five years later, we were both separated and divorced from those people. And Angela and I, you know, we would never stop loving each other. You know, we have a son together, and our son was two when we got divorced. And Angela and I had spent a lot of time talking on the phone, probably when we had no reason to talk. So when those marriages were over, we just knew we were supposed to be back together. And uh, we did that, and, we, you know, we made a lot of changes we had to change a lot and you know i think some of the big things for us you know number one it was realizing the need for each of us to address our individual dysfunction and to take accountability for our stuff you know and i I think it's more difficult to do as a man i know it was for me because admitting that we're wrong seems like we're admitting that we're weak yes yes that that was very important Yep, and that's a tough place for a man to be. I couldn't agree with you more. You you make me think about I take people on spiritual quests around the world, and on one of my trips I had a group with all men. And one morning I came downstairs to meet the guys for breakfast, and I had just gotten to the point I could not have one more day on a male-oriented schedule because <laughs> woman's schedule, as you know, is different. And I said, guys, I'm not going to spend the day with you. I need to go off and have my own kind of day. And all of them looked at me, and you know what they all said? Did we do something wrong? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I said, no, but that's how I totally get what you're saying, Patrick, because I know right. that's how men are hardwired. So for you, you had to admit, yeah, something was wrong. Now, how did you guys address it? You said, you're, what did you do? Give us some stepping stones here because we have people listening. And by the way, those who are listening, if you'd like to join the conversation, call that number I gave at the top of the show and you'll be able to speak live with our guests, Angela and Patrick Howell. The number is 347-989-0776, 347-989-0776. Be sure to push 1 on your handset so that Cliff, our moderator, can call on you and you can speak live with our guests. Or if you don't want to speak live, that's okay. We have people send in questions via Facebook or Twitter, just go to Dr. Brenda Wade on either of those social media platforms and we'll get your question and we'll address it to Patrick and Angela and they can answer it for us. All right, we'd love to hear from you. So go right ahead now. How? What are are the stepping stones for those who are listening who want to know how? If I'm in that place, I want to get my marriage on track. I want to do this fearless searching moral inventory that I know is part of recovering, how do you do it? I think for us, we both recognized that what was so sorely lacking in our first marriage together was communication. 
And that's probably the, the biggest thing. And, and ironically, it was our middle marriages that taught us and helped us grow through those challenges that were actually accelerated with other spouses. And so it really, I guess, brought to light the things that we wanted to have be different with our second marriage. I joke that I was married to Mr. Right, Mr. Wrong, and Mr. Right at the wrong time. (laughs) (laughs) But the great thing about the middle marriage is I saw the same pattern, and the only common denominator was me. Mm. So if you think it's the other person, and the same pattern keeps showing up, what you're saying is better check who's in the marriage or who's in the relationship both times, and it's you. Wow. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think Patrick, uh, he, you know, I was the communicator in our first marriage. Well, he got to be in, a, in, in his middle marriage where there was no communication, and he was the one trying to do the communication. I remember him telling me that he was just struck with what it must have been like to be in a marriage with him initially when he didn't communicate. And so we we learned the lessons that we brought back to the marriage, and that was definitely one of the biggest ones. And, you know, so for us, it's Patrick coming back with boundaries. When I'm wanting things to go my way and I'm feeling like, you know, taking charge of things and I'm just overstepping my bounds, it was so beautiful that Patrick would lovingly say, hey, that's too far. And it just it just felt so good to just know where I stopped and he started. Yeah, that's good. That's good because here you are correcting for what you said earlier. I became controlling as a way to keep myself safe. And Patrick, you found ways to withdraw from the marriage, literally. I mean, this is such a, a great metaphor. Literally go undercover in your marriage and not be there. Wow. So, you guys, you did that, but how did you do it? Did you go to therapy? Were you in 12-step programs? How did you accomplish this work? Well, we did go to therapy. We weren't sure if we would call it premarital or postmarital at this point. We made a decision <laughs> to get back together when those marriages failed, and we, we were not naive enough to think that the original problems had disappeared. And so prior to remarrying, we did as I said, uh, get into counseling. We, we just didn't know what to call it at that point. Mm, um, wow. But yes, we, we worked with someone that, that helped us bridge the gap from where we left off, what we had learned, and what we want to be different this time around. Okay, now this question just came in via Facebook. Uh, this person says, amazing story. Thank you for sharing. I'm currently in AA. Patrick, how did you get off of cocaine? You know, it, it's kind of a, a crazy story for me, Brenda. I, I often tell people that the only reason that I, I was never a rock-bottom drug addict is simply because my addiction for other people's approval was even stronger. Mm. So my my cocaine use all those years was a secret to everyone. No one knew. And, and when I finally came out with that, you know, I, I couldn't live with that reputation. And I was one of those that was able to walk away. And, yeah. Okay. So thank you to the listener who sent in that question for Patrick. 
And I want to say, and I'm sure Patrick and Angela will agree, you're in the right place if you're in AA. And Patrick was able to walk away, but you know that the 12-step programs and the SMART programs are available if you want to get the right kind of support to work through an addictive issue. Whatever kind of addiction, there's a 12-step program for it. And if you're out there and you're still using and you want help, ask for help. Ask for help. All you have to do is go to somebody who cares about you because everybody's got somebody in their life going, what are you doing? Please get help. Ask them to help you and accept the help and go for it. So you guys are happy. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Patrick. I just wanted to reiterate what you're saying. Yeah, Angela and I are both huge advocates of 12-step program. And, you know, to clear that statement up a little bit, for me, I simply switched addictions. I went from cocaine to money and image and recognition and even alcohol mm-hmm. to some degree. And, you know, my, I think that's a pattern. So for me, it was realizing that I was always using something, and I eventually – even years after I had stopped using cocaine, did go to some 12-step meetings and got a good foundation in there to help address my general addictive thinking. Uh-huh, so great. Yeah, I do encourage that. And for good. me, Brenda, I can definitely say if I had not found OA, which is Overeaters Anonymous, as a teenager, I know that I would have died by a toilet. I, I, I'm just so grateful. Those meetings You would have died, say that again? I would have died by a toilet. I I was anorexic and bulimic. Okay, died by a toilet. Now I get it. So you would have had your head in the toilet throwing up. Oh. Well, I mean, I was to the point where I was purging blood and I couldn't stop. Wow. Literally, I credit OA um, and God with saving my life. I could not stop. So I couldn't, this person that, that gave the message, the 12-step program is a beautiful place to be, and what I love is they're so embracing of everybody, regardless of background. Well, one of the things you just said, though, let me just tease that out a little bit. You said that you went to Overeaters Anonymous to deal with anorexia and bulimia, so it's not just about overeating. It's other kinds of eating disorders. So if you're somebody out there going, well, where do I go to deal with this kind of eating problem? OA handles all of it. Absolutely. And and it's changed a lot over the last 30 years. This was quite a while ago that I started my journey in the 12-step program and specifically OA. And at that time, you know, anorexics, bulimics were definitely in the minority. And, and um, But what, what I found was we were more alike than we were different. We mm. all had Exactly, because the root problem is the same, right? It is. It really is. So the the, the root problem is pain and looking for a way to numb yourself. And we just did it differently. And I, because of my behavior, you couldn't look at me and tell. Yes, yes. So for anyone dealing with an addiction, this is an important point. Say that again, Angela, about trying to numb out. Well, for me, addictions, to me, the, 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 how we use or what we use, those are the symptoms of a core problem of, 
pain that we're trying to numb or medicate. And so regardless of what we choose to pick up to do that, like Patrick mentioned, there's so many other things that people don't even think of as, as ways to numb or medicate. Um, people's approval or, or now we even hear you know, social media addiction and um, just there's so many socially acceptable ways that people are medicating workaholism. That's right. We That's the most acceptable person. one. I was just thinking of it. Mm-hmm. We applaud the person that goes out and, and makes a, a big living and that sort of thing. But if they're empty inside, in fact, you know, Patrick, that's what he experienced and, you know, going to work and the money didn't fix the problem. Right. Right. Wow. So you guys, you got remarried, but before you did, you said, let's straighten out these issues. And did you, did you realize right away that it came from your childhoods that you didn't have the opportunity to learn what a stable marriage was about or what the ingredients were or the steps to create it? Yeah, I think so, Brenda. I think I know Angela had that realization from her recovery in the first marriage. For me, it was more into our second marriage when I started to realize those things. And yeah, and understanding that, you know, gave me a foundation to start learning why I thought like I did and why I acted the way I did in a relationship. So, yeah. Mm. Wow. All right. So, if you were to give your Best advice to couples who may be on the verge of breaking up or maybe falling apart or maybe couples who just want life to be better. What would you tell them from what you've learned and maybe tell us just a teeny bit about a life worth having? I think one of the main things that I would emphasize, Brenda, is that I think for most couples, uh, unless there's physical abuse or severe emotional abuse, I hear a lot of people say that we should be happy together, but we're just not. Mm-hmm. And so my advice is when, you, when you're feeling that way and you're hearing that, usually there is something going on with, with one of you individually, if not both of you. So the most important thing I would encourage people to do is to be willing to take a look at their individual selves. It's You're never going to be a happy couple. It's a losing battle if you're not addressing your own individual dysfunction. Mm. And, and the, Angela mentioned communication. That is absolutely the key. It prevents so many things, resentment. You know, I call resentment a marriage killer. Yeah. If you can talk. You can work through anything. So, good. And I think the number one thing that we help people that that come through our program, Life Worth Having, is we help them address their belief systems. You know, those software programs that run in the background and dictate everything we do and say and what we feel we deserve. You know, for me, the security issues led to being very controlling. And so, if a marriage isn't working, if we just stay on the surface level, those things may never get resolved because we're not. We're not going deeper. I heard someone say recently, we're dealing with the fruit instead of dealing with the root. If the Ooh, root nice. I like it. trouble, we mm-hmm. need to go down and, and work at the root level so that the fruit that comes out of that changes instead of just constantly dealing with the surface. Exactly. So when really people works. come to or join a life worth living, describe a little bit how that works. We have just a couple minutes left, and we want to know about it. 
Well, the very first thing that we do, we have several modules that we, we walk through, uh, people through, but the very, very first thing we do is talk about these beliefs. We identify the negative beliefs and the hurtful self-talk that is playing incessantly in people's minds. I mean, I know firsthand what that's like, and so we have a couple of, of steps. And what, we, what I like to think of is this is the, the best of the best of our 20, 30-something years of healing. Mm. You know, there's many, many things. Some of it's recovery-related, but many things are things that we've just stumbled through in books, workshops, and we've assembled. But the very, very first thing, because I just believe if you don't address the negative beliefs that dictate, you know, what you're, how you're operating, then the, then the rest of it won't matter. Yes, exactly. I couldn't agree with you more. That's the so first you address the negative beliefs, and then from there, uh, give us one more tip maybe that people can work with, and then we're just going to have to send people to you if they want to know more. <laughs> uh, we love to work with the negative beliefs first, and, and we, we try to reverse those and get them reprogramming their mind. We really love to help bring out the individual. You know, what I liked, what I didn't realize in our first marriage is a marriage is not two people that come together and melt and mold into one. Two people still have to be two people. And so we work a lot with finding the passion individually. Then when you have that, you have more to bring to the marriage. Yes. Yes, and a lot of people are afraid to have that separation in the marriage where you can be your own person for fear of losing it. Oh, I've seen that over and over. All right, everybody, wow and wow, what an incredible story. We are talking to Angela and Patrick Howell, a couple that went all the way through divorce, married to other people, found their way back to one another Think about that, found their way back, and discovered a pathway. And they are available via a program they've created not because they went to school. They went through the school of life and discovered a life worth having. They're available to share that with you. Check them out at www.alifeworthhaving.com. And Angela and Patrick, I am surely going to invite you to share in our seminar community because there's so much richness here. And I thank you for your honesty. Thank you for sharing the good, the bad, and the ugly with us. And it's your honesty at the end of the day that means we can trust you. Thank yeah. you so much. We're just so honored that we're able to give and help other people. We know we were brought through all of this for a reason. That's right. I know you were, and that's exactly right. All right. Blessings to both of you. A life worth having. Angela and Patrick Howell, everyone. Send them a wave, a big heartfelt wave of gratefulness. We are so grateful. Okay, sit tight, everyone, and get ready for the princess. The princess is coming to us with her book, The Princess Chronicles, Dr. Wendy James. And uh, she wants to know, are you a mattress actress, a faker in the bedroom? Mm, it's a provocative question. But that's what Dr. Wendy James in her spicy new book, The Princess Chronicles, A Bedside Companion, 
wants to talk with us about Dr. Wendy holds two doctorates, mental health and organizational psychology. She addresses current events and psychological trends on CNN, ABC, NBC, and numerous media outlets. She's the founder of Life Consultants, and her website is www.drwendyjames.com. And she is here to answer your questions and talk with us and address once and for all the whole issue of faking, why do women do it? And whether men can mm, or do fake it too. All right, you can join this spicy conversation at 347-989-0776. Be sure to push 1 on your handset and uh, you can talk about faking it with Dr. Wendy or message us on Facebook and Twitter at Dr. Brenda Wade. All right, everyone, the book is called The Princess Chronicles. It's a self-help relationship book with 36 short chapters. covers topics like, do you wear sexy underwear or for your man, for you or for your man? Let me get that straight. Do you wear sexy underwear for you or your man? And divorce. The floor... Oh, oh, I think I have a disconnect here. Hello. 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 Oh, hang tight, everybody. We're getting Dr. Wendy back on the line. Can you hear me, Dr. Wendy? Hang tight. Sorry about that squealing noise, everyone. Hang on. Technical difficulties here. We lost Dr. Wendy, and while Cliff is dialing her back, thank you, Cliff, our moderator's on his job, let me tell you a little more about the book. Woo! That's a loud noise. Every chapter is divided into two sections titled Personal and Professional to separate the advice the author has gleaned from her own life experience. We've got real stories and allusions to common fairy tales that we know from our childhood. We're going to talk about dreams, passions, seeking and believing in living happily ever after. And yes, it's a female-centric book. And as Freud used common Greek tragedies as themes for basic psychological behaviors, Dr. Wendy talks about fairy tales and myths to make her points. And with any luck at all, we've got Dr. Wendy James back. Have we got her, Cliff? Hello, Dr. Wendy, are you there? Hang on, everyone. We are going to get her back. And while we are still working to get her back on the line with us, I'm going to have to ask you, have you ever faked it? Whether you're a man or a woman, have you ever faked it? And have you ever suspected your partner was faking it? Now, why would anybody want to fake it, it meaning, of course, orgasm? Why would you want to fake it? And what do we do if we're in a relationship where we think we have to fake it? All right, that's a topic that is totally and entirely enticing and we can't wait to talk to Dr. Wendy but in the meantime if you have a question or comment get it ready send it to us via Facebook or Twitter at Dr. Brenda Wade or call 
989-0776. And we are so intrigued because how we are in the bedroom has everything to do with how we are with ourselves, how we feel about ourselves. So start thinking about that when we talk about faking it. Okay, and I think we are about to get Dr. Wendy back here. Hang on, everybody, hang on. And let me check in with Cliff and see how we're doing. Okay, Cliff's got his finger up. That means here she is. He's got a thumbs up. We got her, Cliff? Drum roll, everyone. Okay, he's talking to Dr. Wendy, I think. Okay, now listen, if Wendy can't get back with us, I am going to talk about sex. <laughs> God knows that in my work with Love Money and Save Us Seminars, I have heard it all. And Dr. Wendy, yay, you're here. I was about yes. to talk about one of the couples I work with where there was Dr. a lot Wendy of thinking it going on. I hear you loud and clear. Can you hear me? And I heard uh, the touching story about a couple and how they were married and divorced and all the struggles they were through. And somehow after all that, maybe I don't know what happened with Patrick and Angela, and their story was amazing. And then Isn't it an amazing that, story? Yeah, amazing story. And Dr. Brenda Wade, I'm thrilled to be on your show and and uh you're a psychologist and i know how you help women and believe in women i've read some of your books and it's an honor to be on in the how psychologists can help women through their struggles and through what they go through as well as men but i concentrate more on women yes i know that dr wendy now can we just get right into it I'm yes. so glad we got you back because I know our audience is going, mattress, actress, faker <laughs> in the bedroom? Come on, Dr. Wendy, talk to us. Well, the book is written in a way to be interesting to young women as well as mature women and executive, and it addresses relationships, emotion, fears, sex, and love in themes that apply to women regardless of age. And it's called A Bedside Companion because it's written in easy-to-write chapters. But it's not something you can get from your neighbor or girlfriend or life coach. It's based on education and research. And what it talks about is real stories and allusions to common fairy tales and how we want to live happily ever after and how women are instrumental in being romantic and helping our guys be romantic. But part of that is uh, and being sexy and being attractive and having our guys feel we're sexy and attractive. But it's important to make sure you find the perfect guy for you. And you, the guy is perfect for you, and you're perfect for him. And I think that's part of what Patrick and Angelo were talking about. In sometimes we don't realize how important that is. Now, how do you know? This is something I know you've heard it over and over. I've heard it over and over, and God knows I've wondered myself, how do you know when it's the right one? 
we do know, but we don't allow ourselves to know because so often we're involved in past relationships, past situations, our family and belief systems that we don't over time, and maybe it's when we get a little older, we need to realize that, and again, this is about Princess Chronicles, about Princess Stories, about making sure we have the magic, the energy, the excitement, and the joy that radiates. And a man is captivated by it. And women so often pick over and over the wrong guy. And we need to get out of that trap. How do we get out of it? How do we get out of it, Dr. Wendy? How Help we get us out, out of here, because God knows I've done it. <laughs> For, how we get out of it is first realizing that life is more than survival. I learned, my mother taught me to survive. The solution was never have to depend on a man, always be prepared to take care of yourself. Or we make sure, sure we have over and over marry the same guy in the same relationship and never look at that that's not enough for the long term. We need to be aware of what we're doing and why. And we may be missing something important in our life without a man to love and to love us. And you have to seek the right man. And you have to be aware of the right man. As I tease in one of my uh, titles, Men are Frogs and Women are Princesses, we have to be willing to kiss a lot of frogs. And sometimes... They may be your prince, and and we are fortunate if we meet ours. But we need to make sure that we make the relationship work. And part of the relationship is being sexual and wearing our outfits and, and realizing that we control the relationship and we instigate the communication with, and you've talked about this, we determine the communication with our men. So often they don't communicate, so we don't interrupt that communication and we stay away. Hmm. So you're saying the woman is in charge of the communication. That's interesting. By talking to them about it, because so often guys don't bring it up. We have mm-hmm. to bring it up. And we have to let them know they'll come guys will come home and they'll they'll work and they'll go in the room or they'll watch tv and we feel i have the rule of threes my husband i come out once hon come to bed or i need you to do this and the second time sweetie i'm in a sexy outfit and the third time this is it and he's it's up to us and through the generations we've realize that we want men to rescue us, but we have to be willing in our passions to that we have control over that, and we possess the ability to share our passions and include our men in the fulfillment of them. Because men have a logical process, and when they, the marriage starts going apart, it's usually because women are multitasking. We're doing everything. Oh, we want to hang on now. So you're saying if the marriage comes apart, it's because the woman's multitasking and has got too much on her plate. And are you saying that 
it's up to us to get the man to pay attention to that. I'm getting confused here, Dr. Wendy. Help me. We do do that because I've worked with a lot of women, and we struggle with various roles at work. We want to be the best employer employee, the best wife, the best friend, the best mother. And men, and we get guilt and we're multitasking. Never seem to be troubled by guilt, go figure. Um, (laughs) They are remorseful or regretful for a short period of time. But, yes, we are the ones that need to go out, sit down, and communicate with them because they tend to, they don't multitask, they focus. And when a marriage is not working, whether it's due to separation with the two of you in communication or your children or your career and their career, men tend to go out and work more. Stay away more. And we okay, want to so yes, we've seen sport. this pattern. Uh, when a marriage isn't working, a man can spend more. In fact, that's kind of what Angela and Patrick were just speaking about. Right. They that did the it. separation became more profound. Now, I have to ask you, okay. are we wearing sexy underwear for ourselves or for our man? What is going on here, Dr. Wendy? For both. Women want to, I believe all women, and all women I meet, professional career women, uh, women that are stay-at-home moms, we want to feel sexy. And we want to feel sexy to our man. So we're wearing it for them, but we're wearing it more important for us, or a sexy dress. And I find often women dress up for other women, as my husband says. You dress for other women, you wear this sexy outfit out with other women because as women, we share in what we do and we have compassion for each other and we share in our sex lives, our uh, relationships, our sexuality, what happens with our husband. That's why women, we have to be careful because we uh, would never, ever do anything to date or be around or even acknowledge anybody our girlfriends are interested in and might be interested in, their ex-boyfriends, wives, or anything, because we need our girlfriends. Yeah, that's that female code of honor, very, very important. Cover your girls. Cover, and I don't mean the, the girls' girls, I mean your girlfriends, your women friends, my mother, that's, you know, it's one of the things my mother taught me that was really true. She always said, even if your relationship with the man in your life doesn't work, protect your relationship with your women friends. They'll always be there for you. So it's a running joke now with some of my women friends. A friendship has outlasted the marriages. So we move on. Now, Dr. Wendy, we only have just a minute left because we got started late with you. What is a secret that you would share with us from the Princess Chronicles, a bedside companion, something that you want us to take away tonight? Well, I think what is so important is I'll actually talk about a review, Claritin Review, and this is written by their review on my book. 
they say it is a quick, provocative read that will get readers' attention, whether they agree with Dr. Jane's perspective or not. Some will find their blood boiling over advice that flies in the face of modern feminism, while others will find themselves not in agreement with Dr. Jane's observations. And as you and our psychologists, we know Freud used common Greek tragedies as themes for basic psychological behaviors, this done universal known fairy tales. And I, as a former high school teacher, businesswoman at Sony for 16 years, I was widowed, and I had to refocus my life on what was important. And I was blessed to meet my current husband. We fell in love, and he gave me the princess wedding in Italy. And during that, I figured out that love knows no limit in endurance, no end to its trust. No fading of its hope. It can outlast anything. Love still stands when everything else fails. And so we need to have it all. Women want it all. We pursue our dreams and career in our marriage and our children. And we learn how our compassion and love empowers us and gives us confidence to pursue our dreams. All right, we'll have to stop there only because of time, Dr. Wendy. And from where (laughs) you sit, you're living the fairy tale. You want every woman to live the fairy tale and know that love can outlast and endure everything. I know that for some people that is absolutely true. For others, like Angela and Patrick, you're going to learn how to make your fairy tale come true by working it, working it, working it. And you can read Dr. Wendy James' book, The Princess Chronicles, A Bedside Companion. It's available on Amazon and on Kindle. And everybody, upcoming on Good Love Radio, you're going to meet Phyllis Newhouse, who's going to talk to us about money. And yes, love and money go together. When you're in love, you're more likely to attract money. And when you're rich, you're more likely to attract love. She's going to talk about the science of getting rich. And Ms. Newhouse knows what she's talking about. She's been featured in Forbes magazine three times this year already as one of the women with the fastest growing small business in the United States. And her business, I believe, has hit $100 million. You're going to want to hear from her how she grew her business to that level in a so-called down economy. You're also going to meet Chris Michaels, who's going to talk about the power of you and coming up. May 24th and 25th, please join me live with our special guest teachers. We're going to talk about how to get naked, get honest, and get real as we do a class together here in our classroom in San Francisco, Healing Secrets for Toxic Love, Creating Your Best Relationships Now. Healing Secrets for Toxic Love. To register, just send an email to love, L-O-V-E, as you might have guessed, love at docwadeocwade.com. Thank you to our fabulous producer, Mr. LeGrand Green, to our moderator, Cliff Dudding. Blessings, everyone. We'll be together again next week on Good Love.